Chris Johnson, not Christopher, as you were saying. Christopher means uh, you're in trouble. So right. your friends, your family, everybody knows that you are Chris, right? Yep. Now, Chris, uh, here's here's what I know of you. Okay, let me let me start us here. I'm pretty sure I saw you um, sitting in the like learning to be a judge line at the Glen Wild thing. Is that is that that was you, right? Yep, I was there. They they let me in for some reason. They let but, you in. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and I think I'd like to hear some more about that, but let's not jump too far ahead chronologically. The other thing that I feel like I know you for specifically is you're the guy who plays for the dancers, right? Somebody has to do it. <laughs> Someone has to do it. Now, I do want to hear like sort of your origin story and stuff, but I let, tell me about that. How did you get, um, how did that, how did that, was that that you, you thought dancing was cool? Do you know dancers? Like, how does that happen? Because as far as I know, like locally, you're known as, oh yeah, he's the guy who plays for dancers. So like the it was, guy, you know, it was all an accident, really. Um, I got a call to go do a, a gig for a random church party. A, I don't know how or, or why it happened, but at the same gig, they had also called for a few Highland dancers, and their instructor was Rochelle Augustine. She runs a little dance studio out in, uh, oh man, out west for me. Yeah, I'll look it up. I'll, yeah, you'll you'll have to look it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's early, or it's always early when you have a child. Yeah. Um, but at that gig, Rochelle was like, "Oh, you're a piper. I heard you. Well, can you play Orange and Blue?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Okay, a hundred. You know, do it at a 116 beats per minute, and off we go." And oh, by the way, play the first part twice. Or and and we we did it, and she's like, "Okay, we need a dance piper. You know, mm. how about?" In about six months, there's the Moab Scots on the Rocks contest. You prep, and we'll let you uh, play for that as the dance piper. And just like that, she just said, do you want to do it? And I thought, well, I like being important. <laughs> that, that, that really was, was it. I thought it was cool, and I thought I was going to be in the money, traveling, you know, all those glorious dreams that you oh, expect of, of the yeah. rich and famous. And... Uh, one cool thing that happened about a few weeks before Moab, I got to go and play. They do a dance contest at the First Presbyterian Church in October every year. This is back when Moab was in the butt-cold winter in November, which was right. a terrible time. But I, I, I got to go and play for that one. They, they called it a, a little contest. And yeah, it wasn't. But the judge there, bless her, that was Gail Bacon. And I got up there thinking, okay, I can, I can do this. You know, I've, I've listened to some recordings. I know the tunes. And it turns out there are so many little things that you, you, you got to learn and, and figure out. I was playing. So for the sword dance, it's Gilly Callum. Nobody likes that tune. It sounds like a doubling exercise. But it turns out, you know, not only does it need to be 112, 112 beats per minute for the older dancers, moving on up to 116 beats per minute for the youngins because they can't jump as high. You would never think about it, but wow, the little yeah, ones... I had not thought of that. Yeah, the little ones can't jump as high, yeah, so you've got to... in the air. That's... Yeah, you've got to up the tempos for them. So the, the, the recordings that you heard for the premieres, you know, you found those on YouTube, they're too slow. And so the judge is looking at me, you know, giving me that, hey, faster, faster, faster look. And then you've got the... They know what parts should go with the dance. You know, with Gilly Callum, in, in my head, it was like, okay, just keep playing Gilly Callum until it's time to be done. But the first part has a little more low work. 
you play the tune again, but you add in a little more high work. It's almost kind of Pibrock-ish, mm. where every time you're repeating it, you're either going higher or lower or changing up just a little bit so that the dancers know that you've uh, switched parts, and mm. they need to know that. And usually, if you start going up high, all of the other recordings say, hey, this is your second time through. This is kind of their memory check to say, okay, he's going up higher. This is second time through. If it's three times through, okay, I've got one more. If it's the second time through, it's about time to do the quick step. And I wasn't doing any of that. Oh, I, no. I had no, I had no idea. And so the judge just raised her hand. She sat me down. She's like, we're going to watch and we're going to play a recording for just a couple. And then you're going to get back out there and I'm going to talk to you while they're dancing. And so she's judging them. And then she's like, okay, you hear how it went higher now. And then she's you know, still writing stuff down. She was absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, it was mostly the sword dance with that sort of trouble because, you know, the rest, you know, you're doing a Strasbe, four-part Strasbe. It needs to be Marquis of Huntley, Highland Fling, or Orange and Blue. Mm -hmm. so, uh, those are kind of the standard ones. People might accept Fiddler's Joy, but the dancers know which tunes they like. So it's not just any Strasbe that will do Marquis of Huntley and Orange and Blue are kind of your your bread and butter there. And mm. You've got to play those ones or you'll, you'll have some dance moms not really happy. It's okay. Upset, yeah. It's okay to play different ones, but it's best to make the dancers as comfortable as you can. So we got through that contest and Gail Bacon was just fantastic. She yeah. was nice to me. She was good. I learned that the fees for dance piping are kind of pegged. Uh, you get some level money. Yeah, but you get about the same amount you'd get from two funerals for an eight-hour day of piping. That's a lot of piping, man. It's a lot of piping for that much, which explains why so few people do it. Yeah. It's really, it's not about the money. Yeah. Now, if you travel, you get like a, a quarter or something for every mile you, you travel or something along those sure, lines. IRS rate or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and that makes sense for, you know, going down to Moab or going to California and that stuff. I've only done Utah ones, but I'm, I'm right. working my way. There there are no other dance pipers nearby. I wish there were. You, know, you can split a dance day or a dance contest, and they will pay you the same amount. Hmm. So if any of your listeners are thinking that they want to try something like that, Splitting it just makes it so much better. So, yeah, so if anybody's thinking, Chris could really use some uh, some backup. <laughs> oh, please! <laughs> no more eight-hour days. <laughs> well, and it's nuts to do that during a contest. You know, during yeah. <laughs> uh, during a Salt Lake Games weekend to try to get a break to compete and right. solo or do a, do a three-hour block of dance piping and then go do a Peabrook and then come back to it. <laughs> it, it it can be done, but it's it's a mess. And so, if anybody wants to get in on that, there is definitely no kind of turf to be intruded upon. It's it's really cool. one of the uh, other dance pipers, Matt Turnbull. Oh, he I I got to talk to him and see him at the Salt Lake Games. Games after that Moab game, you know, that, that following year, I, I actually cared about dance piping and I didn't do the Salt Lake games that year, but I, I got to watch Matt do it and he gave me some advice and, and he told me how he does it. He's got a metronome going the whole time. Yeah. That's one thing oh, I wanted to ask you about. He's, he just got it wired up to his ear. Um, he's got it on his phone on the ground really, because if it's in your ear, when you've got a tempo change for some of the, uh, the dances, like the sword dance has a slow, mm -hmm. and a fast part. Well, then you've got that slow tempo stuck in your ear while you're trying to do something fast. Mm -hmm. And so on the ground with the, with the metronome works pretty well. And you can't 
it's funny because you can't really watch the dancers during the contest because your eyes will pick the most like I don't want to say flamboyant, but the, the dancer that moves the most, your eyes are going to pick that one mm. and you're going to start playing to them. And that's not fair. So you're really kind of watching the... Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because then you're going to match. I mean, speaking of like how high they can jump and stuff, you're going to start matching that specific dancer, huh? And if one just happens to be taller than the rest of the the, the group, uh-oh, mm. you're, 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 the other ones can't keep up. And so you, you, you kind of just zone out. You, you watch the metronome, you get it going, you can stay pegged to it, you can just watch off into the distance, but you're, you're really trying not to not to watch anyone in particular. It's, yeah. you, you just wouldn't think about that. It's, no, there's, it's, there's so much nuance to this that I had not thought of. But it's really kind of fun. It's the closest thing that I can find to a marathon in, mm. in piping. Your brain is so nervous for those first 30 minutes. You know those gals and, and guys have worked so hard and you know that their mothers will come after you <laughs> if you screw up yeah. but after about 30 minutes your brain just goes i'm out of nervous chemical mm. i'm out of juice and you get into this really cool zen state where you are, just are you getting a piper's high i think so really it's it's huh. really cool because you just you you just forget that it's high pressure because it's been high pressure for an hour and so you just go and you think, all right, I've got 10 more times to play the fling. I've got five more times to play the fling. Okay, now let's go. And then you just realize that you finished and it feels really great. It's, it's wow. a feeling that I haven't felt soloing or in a band setting. It's, it's different and it's really, you, you feel accomplished more like you survived than you, than mm, you beat yeah. someone. I had not ex- I had not expected when asking you about this to have been so drawn into it. Uh, almost thou convinceth me, Chris. <laughs> that dance it's fun. Is, is, Get yeah. Orange and blue, Marquis of Huntley, up to speed. Anytime any dancer's glad for it. It's just so much better to have a live piper because mm-hmm. they they will match how tall you are. Mm. They will match how old you are. They're so happy to see you. So get get those tunes up and you're you're good. The, the, the people to look for, Donald McPhee, if you look for any of his recordings, mm-hmm. that's kind of the the standard, the gold standard. So you can look at the complete collection by Donald McPhee, and all of the tunes are there. They're all good. They're, they're, it's just a fantastic CD. Wow. So, I, man, I have so many questions running through my head here. Um, see, see I, was, I was kind of aware that there were, of course, some particularities, because like we've the Garden Valley Pipe Band has has joined up with a dance group a couple times for like our St. Patrick's Day concerts. Uh, oh, the, yeah. the Shelley Irish Dance Group here in Utah County, and and I have asked Tina before there like, do you want us to you know we've got pipers who can play you a hornpipe or a you know a reel or a Strasbury or whatever you want you know you know you want live pipers I mean we're there, and she always prefers a recording. And I understood that that's, you know, you don't have to have the variables of like, well, will this piper play consistently on tempo and will they switch the part at the right time and stuff like that, you know? And so I had this, I I kind of had this understanding that like, okay, you know, they're particular about it. But I hadn't, I mean, man, that that thing about how high they can jump, especially, that's just blown my mind. Of course, of course that would have an effect. That's so interesting. What, what, and, and when, they're when forgiven it, too. They they really are. They'll forgive you a lot. They're, yeah, they're, they're good folks. They're they're just nice, nice, nice and happy to have you there. <laughs> yeah. Though though I, I, it sounds like the dancers might forgive you, but maybe their moms won't. <laughs> you know, I've never had a really, I've never had a bad experience with with uh, a parent. Maybe that's just because uh, you're really good, though. Huh? Well, that first <laughs> contest was ample yeah, fodder like for something like that. Well. Yeah. But 
they i've never i've never had that experience mm. they're they're just really happy and if you've got a metronome really they're they're, they're going to be fine because they can't say you favored somebody else mm. they can't say you were totally out you 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 had a you had a metronome mm. you were if you're on the beat screw up the notes you're fine just keep the beat and mm. the dancers know their dance and yeah it might be a small distraction but it's okay you know you're you're part of the game is it is it strategic in that way for you to use like you know an older style physical metronome so it can be sitting like you know standing up off the stage where like you can see it but also like if anybody around wants to look they can see there is a metronome and it is running you know you can see it clicking back and forth i haven't tried that i i i i I haven't. It, it I've, I've I've probably worked too much in like insurance viabi- liability and stuff like that. I'm just like constantly looking for like how can I how can I avoid liability in a situation. So that's probably, oh, that's yeah. probably a warping of my own brain there. <laughs> no, it, you know, usually I'll just set up my iPad and my iPad works as kind of a nice mirror. Mm. And so if I set it to the right angle, I can watch the the metronome and still see the dancers oh, kind of in peripheral vision. Yeah. So you can get an idea if you're on with them as a, as a group or not. And it, I haven't tried the, the physical metronome. The only thing that might bother me is just the, the physical metronomes I have are, they're loud. Yeah, they're yeah. loud. And if I'm listening to the click and I'm hearing the click, then that will, that'll still mess me up for the, the fast parts mm-hmm. later on. Right. So you want that visual cue that you can look away from when you want to. Exactly. I see. That, that's exactly it. I see. That's interesting. I had wondered, are you familiar with this app, the Piper's Metronome, that came out not too long ago? You know, everybody's got it but me. And <laughs> I, it really does great work on the dot cut thing. It really does. It does, yeah. Yeah, and that's I've used it for sets, you know, because you can set up like, all right, I'm going to go from my march to my Strathbay to my reel, and I can set up the metronome to make those transitions when I want it to, you know? And that's awesome. That is fun. But I, I, so I wondered if that would be at all applicable for dancing. But probably in that sort of like live performance situation, you really want more 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 flexibility than that could give you. Well, yeah, because sometimes you're you're sometimes you're doing the premieres and you've got a tempo in mind, and then you find out that all three of them or all, you know, that those first couple of sets really tell you what the uh, tempo is going to be for the mm-hmm. whole group. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I I go all right, we're we're gonna go. Oh, 112 and you start going and they they tell you no this is this is too this is too slow pick it up and so you need just a little bit of flexibility because if all three of them are struggling okay you're you got something to, to fix but you want to make sure you keep that for the rest of the group mm-hmm. and so th- those first couple of, of groups will help you get settled it's 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 fun it's it's weird it's stressful mm-hmm. if anybody asked me like why do you do this I, I really couldn't tell you besides yeah, that. Sure. <laughs> the, 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 the Piper's High is amazing. Yeah. The fact that you're keeping it, the, keeping it alive feels pretty cool. Yeah. There aren't as many dance pipers as I wish, and that's mostly just because contests are usually right alongside. I mean, piping contests are next to the dance contests, right. and it's really hard to do both. So if you're picking one, that's, that's kind of what you're, you're picking. and. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I wish there were more, mm-hmm. but it's it's really cool. And getting a, a buddy to, to help you out is the best. Mm-hmm. You, you cover each other. You play one. They play one. You take an event. They take an event. It's the best. And you get the best of both worlds. Now, how do your pipes last playing for that long? Have you, do you, I mean, are you sitting on synthetic stuff? Or are you trying to make cane reeds work for that long? Or do you have a set you can swap out halfway through? Or 
I've tried a couple of things. So my setup, I'm rocking the uh, Ganaway hide bag, so cowhide. Okay. Yep, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm also a, uh, I'm a disciple of the Ganaway for sure. You know, I love it. Now, a lot of people are, are looking at the Lee and Son sheepskin and yes. saying it's the best thing and everyone's all up in that. And I, 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 I'm, I'm really happy with the Ganaway. I've got no problems. I love how it feels. It's, it's great. Um, I've got a set of David nail pipes that I had made for me about six years ago. Cool. In the drones, I'm I'm doing full cannings, all of the cannings, and it's high pitch. So they're they're synthetic. I have played around with bass cane action for the past couple of years. Yeah. They they don't survive a, a dance contest as well as I wish, mm-hmm. and they're really hard to uh, bring back to life mm-hmm. in, in the middle of a dance contest. I can swap in another synthetic bass reed if I need to, which I usually have one or two just in the in the in the pocket in case. Yeah. But for a cane, you still need time to get it warm and get it up to speed. And for a cane backup, you'd have to be playing it to keep it in condition to have it ready to go. Yeah. And so that that just never worked. I usually do tap off one of my tenors though. Just mm. for that long, any amount of air I can save is great. So I usually have a, a nice, easy a dance piping chanter or hanging out to... Uh, I try not to have that be my solo chanter. Yeah. And usually with a moose valve, I'm able to stop most of the moisture from going in. I love my moose valve. Oh, yeah. I got one a few years ago and, and definitely I have no interest in ever using anything else. Works so I well. mean, the flaps. Who thought the flaps were a good idea? <laughs> I know, right? It's one They're of those things awful. that's like, it's just like, well, this is what we have. So I guess, it's, you know, give me some chapstick. We'll make it work, you know? Oh, so <laughs> bad. And, and the moose valve is just great. And so for the, for the setup, the the canyons usually hold up pretty well. The the wood body of the canyons will absorb enough moisture to try to keep the tongue free. Mm. It takes a long time for the canyons to get shut off due to due to moisture, mm. which is awesome. Um, and usually we we make it. I'll I'll keep a, a spare reed just in case. And since I tap one of my tenors, yeah, I can just take it out. And then if my running tenor gets too wet, I'll Swap take it on. out and swap it in and let the other one dry out and we'll, we'll we'll carry on and then absolute worst case scenario i've got small pipes or mm. or the blair electric channer just for the oh no i can't go any longer let's yeah. get an amp and a, an electric channer just in case have you ever tried uh doing the either with their uh that little kit that blair sells or just rigging it up yourself plugging that blair channer into your pipe so it looks like you're playing a full set of pipes I haven't tried it. it too much work. If yeah. I'm going to fake it, I'm, people aren't going to know. Yeah. But I love that canter. That, that's what I've been using. We, I, I have a four-month-old. And so in the middle of the night, if I'm just sitting up watching him and he's working his way to sleep in a, in a swing or something like that, I'll just pull out the uh, electric chanter and, and go yeah. and, and wait for him to, to calm down. Mm. It's, it's been great. Yeah, I'm going to get me one of them someday, one of these days yeah it's it's great you can play anywhere yeah it's more expensive than i wish of course really. yeah yeah well, well we're pipers we we spend money on things yeah that's isn't that the truth it's a it's a hobby that if you're lucky you can almost get it to pay for itself sometimes almost usually not even close though <laughs> so almost. so then now now we've we've I, I i love all of this but i i do also want to roll it back a little bit tell me about yourself um where did you grow up first of all 
And uh, as you as you were growing up, where did you first encounter pipe bands, bagpiping, etc.? And then how did you get started and who taught you and stuff like that? So if it, if it's back to birth, take me back to birth, Chris. I want to hear all about you. You know, pipes were not that far back. So I grew up in Ogden. I am a Ben Lomond alumni. Oh, are you? What years were you I going am? to Ben Lomond? So I, I graduated in 2008. Man, so, you know, we I graduated from Payson High School in 2007. And so I'm, I'm sure we played together. At, I mean, we went up to... What was it? There was some festival that Ben Lomond. It was. I know. We we would go to the Salt Lake Festival usually, and yeah. we even sent some folks to Payson once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I know that we saw the Ben Lomond band around while I was in high school, so I bet I bet we at least saw each other. I mean, isn't that always the case within this small niche community anyway? Right. Oh yeah, everyone knows each other ish. Yeah. We've all seen each other, but the the Ben Lomond thing. So my sister was four years older than me, and she did the cheerleading thing, and so. When we would go and we, you know, we did that family thing where we we went and watched my sister do the cheerleading thing. Hooray. Well, at the football games at Ben Lomond, I saw bagpipers. And I think that was the first time that I was exposed to the bagpipes besides like Scrooge McDuck on, on yeah, cartoons yeah. or anything like that. Oh, and, and I guess I saw... actually, sorry, Chris, I should probably clarify just in case there's any listener that isn't aware. I think most people already know in Utah, there are two high schools that have have had bagpiping programs like as part of the curricula so you could choose between you know if you can do concert band or orchestra you could also do pipe band or choir or anything else and those are ben lomond high school and payson high school so that's that's why that was significant that's why you encountered bagpipes at these football games and stuff like that and it was the best now they have both bands there Mm. and if i'm honest i i didn't notice either one i just said oh look bagpipes and uh, that, that was it. And then, you know, four years later, I'm a freshman at Ben Lomond, desperate to be one of the cool kids. My sister had gone through Ben Lomond. She had done the valedictorian thing. I was looking for something. I was looking for something to make mark. And the first day you have an assembly and in come the bagpipers and everyone's clapping and cheering. And I just look at that and I go, is that really the currency of the realm here? <laughs> is that really what it takes to be a cool kid right, in high yeah. school? Wearing a skirt and playing <laughs> that screechy <laughs> instrument. And I thought, well, chess team ain't going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I signed up for beginning pipes. And So like somewhat sh- bewildered. You're like, well, if that's what it is, then I'll do it. <laughs> if that's what it took. Yeah. And... <laughs> And that was it. And the the pipes did a march in the assembly. They played kind of a jiggy version of Scotland the Brave for their drill team to to do something to. Definitely not the Highland Fling, as we called it. But mm. nobody knew better and nobody cared. It was yeah, fun. Sure. That was the best part. We all Nobody was saying, oh, you're out of tune. Or, no, you really shouldn't be playing Pumpkin's Fancy when you've only been playing <laughs> the pipes for three months. It, it was the peak of we didn't know better, and we had a blast. Yeah. Um, the the gal that taught me, so at Ben Lomond, the students, like, you know, the seniors or juniors would be teaching beginning pipes. Right, and so yeah. I, I learned from a gal named Marin Adams. Um, so I don't know if she still plays, if lost touch, but Candace Winley was also the, the, the pipe major at the at the time, and they, they were teaching us, and... We we learned we we learned correct fingering. We learned the correct way to play the the doublings and, and everything. 
we didn't use any book that I recognized now that I'm on, like, now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. We, we didn't, it was really loosey goosey all based on, you know, what student happened to be the, the teacher at the time, but we, that, that, that is one of the things that like fascinates me about the Ben Lowen program that it like it, it, that it survived and did so well, you know, where the difference between the Ben Lowen program and the Payson program was that at Payson, you had multiple people like Don Smith that were establishing this like junior high class, like pipe, like, like, pro, like program that would feed into like yeah. the, this high school program, which had a paid staff member teaching, right. You know, like, like there we, were, we had was... supervision. I mean, sorry, we yeah, had supervision. Sure, we, sure. It wasn't we, just we, like, y'all kids do what you want. <laughs> we had the band teacher, Miss Maxim or Corey Jensen, and they were both fantastic. Just bagpiping wasn't their their instrument. Really. Right, right. Yeah, but Corey was the best. He put up with all of the crap that we gave. He gave up. We gave him. Uh, actually, on my Facebook feed. Seven, like in 2008 I, I just got the the photo of when we went down to the san francisco music festival as a as a bagpipe band we were a, a woodwind band oh. when we went to that that <laughs> contest down there and nobody knew how to judge a pipe band so you know everyone thought it was cool and we won everything and we all thought we were just on top of the world that's it, an awesome it, idea take a pipe it, band it, to a woodwind competition <laughs> yeah it was great we we, we had the trophies we, we laughed. me and jesse fry got soloist uh, trophies because again woodwind soloist how can you trump a bagpiper yeah. and a, a snare drummer it it, it it was cool but it was all pretty pretty loose and we kept playing we would play at the football games the volleyball games the the sporting anything that was sporting we we were there and we also went and did gig the school that was like my favorite part i realize it now that the the school was and say oh you want a bagpipe band? We've got a bagpipe band. You want yeah. to donate to the school right, for yeah. the bagpipe band? We were earning money for school yeah. and getting out of class to do it. It was great. You're like you're like the the, the college student athletes, right? That make the all that NCAA money for the for the colleges, but on a on the high school level, it's the pipe. It was awesome. <laughs> and if you were wearing a kilt, it was a hall pass. You you could just walk <laughs> anywhere, do anything, because the the teachers were like, oh, gig, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a gig. So Christopher Johnson wearing a kilt to school every single day. <laughs> Almost. Almost. But it it was a lot of fun. And uh, just out of high school, I got picked up by uh, Wasatch and District. The, the way it happened, I was in Jackson Hole doing a, a contest because I was grade four soloing, mm -hmm. just going, well, I was the best at, at Ben Lowland. I must be hot stuff. So I went to go and try to, to win a bunch of contests to continue proving I was hot stuff. So I'm at Jackson Hole, and it's just freezing in the morning because the lower grades go in the morning. That's, yeah. your, uh, <laughs> that's your prize for being a low grade. Yeah. And it was cold. The My drones were shutting off, and Justin Howland and, uh, saw me struggling and loaned me a, a, a drone read and just saved my rear, mm -hmm. just completely saved my rear and and helped me out. And then I saw them again at uh, Payson and they helped tune me up and did okay at Payson. And so I started playing with them for a while uh, and kept learning there, drove everybody there nuts because I didn't really get the, oh, this is when a band plays and this is when a band does not play. Because hmm. again, it was a loosey goosey at that moment. And we, yeah. if we wanted to check your tuning, you just 
turned around and checked your tuning mm. in in a, in a bad setting you don't do that all the time you yeah know, it's maybe especially it, i mean wasatch is one of the sort of like best organized and uh sort of like what would you call it there are there are like uh methods of procedure for a lot of things that exist in wasatch that maybe don't even even in a lot of uh, other local bands um they're so well organized it's a well-oiled machine right it's it's they're a fantastic group Mm -hmm. they really are fantastic group i learned a ton there got pushed to my limits there traveled did it it was really good they they did really well by me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i did a lds mission after that uh didn't play pipes for two years but i had my chanter just in just oh you did take your chanter huh I did, and I didn't play it anywhere near as much as. Well, maybe I I did play it as much as I should have. If I'm thinking, about it. <laughs> it depends yeah. on what what kind of point of view you're taking on it, right? Yeah, it's but it was Blair Digital Chander wasn't an option at that time, huh? Oh Probably man, that would have been great. Yeah, that would have been great, but it it, it was kind of helpful to just not have one extra thing to worry about. It would have been it would have been like taking a pet on on a mission <laughs> yeah. really i would have been worrying about it i would have been worried that they might get stolen yeah. or the heat the humidity there's just one less thing to worry about yeah. i got back from from that got back with wasatch got got married it still playing with wasatch about 7 7 8 ish years ago is it is this Things... where is this where it gets juicy you can tell me why why you abandoned wasatch Oh man, the juice the, is yeah. coming. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> the juice is coming. If I'm honest, I just was at a point where I needed, I needed less intensity. I was in my final years in college. Mm-hmm. I was getting used to to being married. I was living in an in an apartment, like a married student apartment, and getting room to practice was really hard, especially yeah, in the not winter. The easiest thing in the world. Yeah. And. You know, Wasatch was a high octane place that I just wasn't. I, I I wasn't having fun because I really wanted to. I I don't know. It just wasn't fun at that point in time. Right. And, it's not just different strokes for different folks. Sometimes just different seasons in your own life. You need something that's higher higher demand that'll push you. And sometimes you just need something that's lower demand that you can kind of relax into. And and during one of those times, and plus to to travel as much as Wasatch did was kind of expensive. They For covered sure. yeah. Yeah. A, a lot, but you know you're in college, you're newly married, that money mattered. Yeah, and it, it it was just a lot. And so during one of those seasons of oh man, this is a lot, and this is a lot to do, and want to do it right. You don't want to be the guy in the circle that has a clanger when mm-hmm. the band is really trying to move up to grade two. That was before they were in grade two. Yeah, and it was right when they were knocking on the door and doing a lot of contests trying to, to move up. Well, during one of their, their break seasons, actually, yeah, kind of kind of close to now. I, well, actually, it's near, now it's near the end of the contest season. I went to the Soldier Hollow Classic, the, uh, the Sheepdog contest that they have in Midway every year, which is amazing. I've never gone. And, I always think, oh, that's so cool. I, I should go next year, and I, I never made it. You know, it makes you hate sheep. It really <laughs> makes you hate sheep because I'm I'm a, I'm on the dog side. I love dogs, side, yeah. and so they let the dog loose. He runs up the mountain. He brings the sheep back, and the evil sheep, you know, starts attacking the dog, and the dog loses. And you go, "Well, that sheep is a jerk. I'm going to eat him." And then you do because you can <laughs> eat you sheep. <laughs> and never mind that the dog kind of looks like a predator and and whatnot. No, no, the right. dog don't, is. Don't think about this too hard. <laughs> no, 
But there, I saw the Salt Lake Scots for the first time in a, in a while, and their snare drummer, um, Jesse Fry, we went to Ben Lomond together. Yeah. So that was a really cool reunion thing. And Jesse was never shy about the, the, the Scots. She was going to the Scots back when we were in high school together. And she would always say, hey, come come see the Scots, come see the Scots. And I was like, eh, yeah, you know, I, I'm a senior in high school. I got all these things figured out. I don't need a band, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw Jesse there, and she introduced me to Trevor DeMoss. I sat and listened to, to them jam, and, and we exchanged phone numbers just because it had been a while, and sure, why why not? And... There was there was no recruiting. There was nothing shady or anything. You can't recruit the the wandering or the willing, whatever you want to call it. And, sure, yeah. And they just let me go to a practice once when they were practicing in Wasatch was in the off season. Mm-hmm. And, and I I went and I looked and it just was kind of chillax and it it fit for for that time and yeah i mean it uh, there's there's nothing to be said negative about either sort of way of doing things right it it seems to me like it's important that both of these options exist and many others as well because otherwise when the one option doesn't fit what e- an individual needs then the alternative is like stop playing and that's not what you want right oh, somewhere no. to land is good and and you know it was i i still don't know if i articulated why i left the really well to to the wasatch folks so hey if you're listening here it is but it 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 really was just a a time and seasons a, a a fit thing and at at that point i was just kind of looking for something a little more a little more relaxed i enjoy the community gigs a lot yeah and wasatch does those like they do mm-hmm. i enjoy oh, parades yeah. i'm a weirdo i enjoy parades that is okay? weird <laughs> i know but I, I, there, it's it's fun, and the Scots were doing a lot of that stuff at the time. Yeah, Ian, the the band manager, is just he's everywhere. He knows everyone and has everything going on, and and there's a lot of community stuff to to be done, mm-hmm. and and that just kind of kind of fit. And it wasn't like oh, I'm going to the Scots for a leadership position. No way, I was middle of the pack, just happy to be there, and and it was really a chance to kind of see a new a new way of doing it and yeah one of the one of the perks of going to a less stressful environment was that i got more into dance piping and solos right right and that that's about the time that i started looking at dance piping and since you know the scots care about contests they care we compete mm-hmm. we we do our, our darndest but we travel a lot less yeah. for for a contest sake mm-hmm. and so i had a little bit more freedom to do dance piping here and there or, or, you know, there, there's just a little more flexibility there. And that was something that fit and mm. really, really worked out. And, and now, nowadays, now that I'm doing the pipe sergeant thing at the, at the Scots, I, I've got a little bit more of a tough decision to make, or at least trying to break out to go do a, the, the contest when I can. And the dance community has been really good to me to do that. Yeah. In Moab, they let me go to, to solo or to play for drummers. And in Salt Lake, they let me break out for a half hour or so to go jump into the circle for a band contest. I, I still owe Trevor for letting me uh, get off the hook of tuning the band and, and helping out there. But yeah, that's people have been really I was going to ask you about. To, to what degree, I mean, when you do that, do you have a second set of pipes that you can tune to the band real quick? Or does the band tune to you when you come running over from the dance stage? Um, like, how do you get prepped in that, in that small amount of time? 
two words tone protector mm. so the little, the tone... little plug is are there, is this our sponsor is this our sponsor no, for this episode oh my gosh no <laughs> it's stupid expensive and we should yeah. all make our own because the, the the little digital reader doesn't do anything it's just the it's the packet right yeah you could shove that packet into any other chanter and you probably would be fine yeah but the the tone protector if i give it a fresh pack my band chanter takes about five minutes to come in mm. like it's it's, it's quick and on. yeah and so i just have a, a dance chanter and a, and a band chanter and poof you just give play, a little play scott to the, the brave as you walk across the park to your band and you're ready by the time you get there it's amazing yeah. and i mean we all tried different humidity solutions over the years like the 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 highland one with the like shoe uh, desiccant squishy stuff that right, always yeah. seemed to dry out yeah the the pipe cases with the squishy stuff and the uh, charcoal all that stuff there's the good old just dump kitty litter in your bag as well uh, <laughs> why who thought that was a good idea i threw away i opened up a, an old set of pipes of mine and i saw those boxes of kitty litter and i yeah. tossed that junk and just get out of here <laughs> it's like what were we thinking <laughs> but yeah it, it 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 works out and everybody's been really good to to let me straddle so many different places yeah everyone's just been really really kind that way i've been lucky well but what about straddling things outside of bagpiping i mean marriage but now with a child as well you know i mean how sustainable is this you know not it's not, not to get question. you into an existential crisis or anything but you know as, a, as also a person who likes piping but has children it can be challenging you know it's been weird the, these four months have been a lot of online contests that's true so it I, is happening been... in the online era isn't it which is the best thing that ever happened to us, in my opinion. Now, let me, let me explain. I really... I, yeah, there so are some I, people I, who would disagree with you strongly. So give us an so, Yeah, you better explain. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so I, I, I do the grade two solo thing. And so I'm, I'm in grade two trying to push my way up to, to grade one. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, just to prove to myself that I can be the kind of person that gets to, to grade one. Yeah. You know, I, I have no plans of trying to get into... A, uh, Simon Fraser. I have no plans to try to do any of that. Although, if but hey, listening, if they, then if, you'll take yeah, me. Yeah, I was gonna say if they call you, I mean, you'll answer the call, mean, right? <laughs> who wouldn't? But I really want to just prove to myself that I can, I can get there. But that used to mean a lot of money. That yeah. used to mean a lot of traveling. So right before COVID, me and Trevor were both grade two and we were signing up for contests. We had our plane tickets booked before COVID. Oh. We had plane tickets booked to go to California, Colorado. We were, we were set. We were ready to go and do it. We had saved up the money. We, we were there. We were ready to make that sacrifice and, and try. But then COVID happened mm -hmm. and Trevor somehow freaking evolved into a charizard out of nowhere winning the the clasp doing all sorts of amazing things he left me in the dust and it's been really fun to to watch him but getting through grade two has been a struggle for me i needed a lot of contests to start winning the the some of them some of the yeah. waspabo ones and the online in arena just made it possible one you listen to yourself when you turn in an online yeah online uh, submission do any of us really read the judging sheets and really, really try to do what they tell us? Well, I, I think I think most of us read the judging sheets to see how wrong the judges were. Right. right? <laughs> or to see if you can read it. You know, to yeah, see if, if you can, can decipher read it at all it. in the first place. Yeah. And then you look at the bottom, you see one through five, and that tells you all you need to know. And then you put it yeah. in a binder and you never look at it. Yeah. But when you're recording, 
and you've got multiple ones to submit. You know, I've got six versions of my uh, MSR. Well, which one do I turn in? You listen, and oh, no, you don't like so- the way something sounds. <laughs> right. Well, usually if you have six versions, you don't like any of them, right? It's like, oh, <laughs> none of these are good enough. I have to do 12 versions. I'm going to so do more. You'll, you'll, you'll love this. So I, I was doing the world online. I love how Yori calls it the world online bagpiping contest, but <laughs> I just finished those submissions last week. So I usually pipe downstairs on the ground level, and I've got my window until I've got some face lighting, right? So that the video looks better. I've got face lighting, nothing's in shadow or whatever. Yeah. So I'm I'm 10 minutes into my P-Brook. I'm in the, the Battle of Aldern number one, starting to do the Crun Lewis, getting into it. And then the missionaries are walking down the street. <laughs> the missionaries look in the window. You see their faces light up and they smile and they wave and they start walking towards my door. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, no, no. And on the video, you can see my eyebrows, see my face, and I look at them and I just shake my head. And I'm still going. I'm still going. I'm still playing. They knock on the door. I don't answer. <laughs> now, I turned in that P-Rook. That was my best. I felt so bad. I, I, I chased them down in my kilts after. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it, it was just one of those recording moments where you go, I mean, who... Uh, this this is kind of a new a new normal a new thing but you listen to yourself and you get so much better by listening to yourself than you'd ever ever do otherwise oh yeah it makes a huge new contests open up to you like ohio the clasp right uh, suddenly without without any travel you can do like what what 10 times the number of contests that used to be available to you you know yeah for less money yeah less time less leaving a wife and baby at home Mm mm-hmm now you're still recording and you know you're still taking that time away from you know whoever's happened to be watching the the child at the moment but and so my wife has sacrificed and, and made it work and bless her for for letting her you know she's been awesome she's letting me go to pleasanton in a couple of weeks that's kind of one of the first in-person ones i'm going to be doing in a while she's yeah. let me go and do that and if all goes well, I'll put in my application. I'm, I'm hoping that this is the year, but online has made it possible. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been able to get out otherwise, and I'm, I'm really grateful. Hello, friends. Just a quick note to make you aware. This podcast is something that I love doing, and I will keep doing it no matter what. But if you want to send me money, I won't say an A. The easiest way to do that is through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash droningonpodcast. We do regular drawings for bagpipey albums, books, sheet music, and more, including Droning On Swag. All patrons are in the figurative hat from whence the names of winners are drawn. And there are other benefits to members as well. They're all listed there at patreon.com slash droningonpodcast. And speaking of swag, another way to support the show is to buy cool stuff from my little online shop, bagpipeswag.com. There you can find Droning On stuff as well as other pipey and drummy things that my, uh, that my friends and I make. And if you feel so inclined, I genuinely invite you to follow the show on Facebook. It's super fun to have a way to interact over there, uh, to discuss past episodes, and I also uh, like to bounce ideas off of, off of you, my friends, uh, ask you for input on upcoming interviews, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'd like to invite you to join in on virtual book clubs and uh, probably lots of other cool stuff that uh, I just haven't even thought of yet as of this recording. It's easy to find. Just get on Facebook and search Droning On Podcast. And if Instagram is more your jam, we're also on there at droning.on.podcast. You can also email the show at thedroningonpodcast at gmail.com. 
And links to these sites, social media accounts, and more are in the show notes. Leaving the show a positive rating and review helps others to find it, so feel free to do that. And thank you again for listening, you cool human you. It is, it is really interesting to think about, like, from what I understand, so I'm not, I'm not really a golf guy, but I, from what I understand, there has, there has been in the last two years, like, a really interesting sort of upset of the expected winners of a lot of golf competitions that's being accredited to people who normally do really well with a lot of spectators and people who usually do not do well with a lot of spectators, suddenly the latter group are winning competitions <laughs> and the former group aren't doing as well as they usually would. And I, I have wondered, like, hmm, to what degree is it just, like, you know, some people are just going to do a lot better playing in their backyard in front of a camera than they do in front of a big group of people while other people can keep their cool in front of a physical judge, you know, a person actually looking at them, and how that plays into the 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 final scores, the markings, and the the rankings, right? But I hadn't well, thought of this other aspect that you bring up, that just being able to do a lot of competitions, it really does make a difference. It's like the competition, the competitions become a part of almost like your, I don't want to say practice, but it's like, well, I don't know. If it, it is how I you practice. You, you, right? Isn't that the best practice? Like the best practice is actually doing the thing? Well, every every time you're recording, you you're, you're competing. Reps, right? Is that what it comes you're, down to? Well, you're competing. You yeah. dress up. You record, yeah, yeah. you compete. Every, so that means every time you're practicing, you're competing. Now, there's something really different between doing as many reps as you want and then turning one in compared to the live online proctored yeah, contest. Yeah. The NorCal solos have been fantastic. So you'll join a Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. You'll get into a breakout room with a steward, maybe the judge, depending on how, how they do it. And then you'll record on your end, and then they will say something to prove that that's the real recording. Mm-hmm. And then you're playing live for a judge yeah. at that point. And that feels just the same as if you were at the, uh, at the games. It feels the same as if they were on the other side of the table. The nerves-wise, it, yeah. it feels real. But for the others, it's a completely different game because everyone's turning in their best. Nobody's just going to tank on the day nobody's gonna break right, down be no scratches yeah so it's it's different the the quality is just through the roof which makes yeah. me wonder you know are our judges going to be disappointed when we all go live again <laughs> like the, the the caliber of what they've been listening to is suddenly like so much more pleasant <laughs> suddenly like oh, everybody's in tune everybody plays their 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 music pretty darn well this has been great and then they go back to live and they have to deal with all the all the problems <laughs> i i think it's a thing I, I just hope that doesn't ruin all of the uh the cpls the the the, the numbers that you get right right now are, we've are, spoiled them are you still pursuing judging yourself actively or is that something you've kind of put off to the side for now or, or were you ever like i just remember you at that glenn wild thing you know and so you were one of a few who seemed to be uh, sort of going for that accreditation i mean i'd love to to to, to learn about it mm-hmm. i think the best way to get to that point is to make that grade one status and and do well and and learn that first just because you you get pickier with yourself the Mm -hmm. the higher up you get and that means you'll do better at picking out stuff from from others i I hadn't really uh, considered that an an end goal i I don't think it would be any problem for the community to have more local judges sure i think it'd be really great to you know home grow our own it's expensive for games to fly people in. Now, you it want is, people yeah. to do that. I mean, you, you, you want that to happen because sure. let's face it, you know, using a homegrown judge is not 
ideal. They know people. It, you know, it, they it's, play with a band usually, or at least have yeah, with you, a band. you can't. It, that's that's just would leave a bad taste, or at mm-hmm. least look bad, mm-hmm. right? But I, I mean, there's got to be a new crop of judges at at some point. Yeah. And, uh, I I think that it would be cool, but right now it's keeping the dance piping thing warm. Yeah. Since there aren't a lot of those. I do see a, a chance in the in the later days to actually really travel and, and do that once you know the the other nearby dance pipers are, are done, and maybe on, on the judging thing now it's the soloing it's mm-hmm. figuring out how to how to get there and starting to be happy with with recordings when when you make them. Yeah, I remember having this experience once where I, I'd been playing pipes for years already, and when I I'd been playing pipes for years before I finally actually saw a person dance a Strasbe. And that did affect the way I play Strasbe. Have you had a similar experience having played so much for dancers? Has it affected the way that you interpret dance music when playing your pipes, even when it's not for a dancer, when it's in a, you know, a, a solo MSR or, a, you know, or with a band or whatever it may be? You know, it's been good and bad. Mm. So for dancers, nothing matters more than keeping the beat and that strong, you know, strong light, medium light idiom that we've all had pounded into our heads, yeah. like really pounded. If you overemphasize that for the dancers, it doesn't work just Interesting. right. Interesting. Like if you really overemphasize it and make sure that it's, it's there, I found that it doesn't quite keep the beat for the dancers as well as, as, as you'd want. It's still there. Don't don't get me wrong, but maybe in, like in isolation from the actual dancers, are, are we as a piping community like overshooting the mark to some degree? I mean, far be it from me to mm. say the entire piping community is, but if I think in the lower lower divisions, yeah, I think in the lower grades. Let me rephrase that. Everything not grade one. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, I think grade I one has the the speed. Yeah. and the flow to, to make it work that flow is really what it is because yeah. it i mean that strong weak medium thick weak that's that's so you match it when the dancer is hitting the ground and bouncing back up right mm-hmm. it's giving them the the lift to get off the ground and, and matching them well you've got to keep the flow for them the the the, the steps that they're doing i that first strong one yeah that's strong that's that's strong there but they are they aren't over expressing it like we do sometimes mm. like you hear in solo sometimes so yeah. how interesting it's like it's like uh, an art form that's been to some degree removed from the original context and isn't it's it like kind of like mutated into its own thing that that's that's how i see it now i am not the deepest in the dance pipe i'm not the deepest in the in the band thing but I, I do play stress bass differently for dancers than I do for uh, for solos. Mm. And sometimes in, in solos, I'll, I'll get called on a little, I need a little bit more of that stress bass idiom mm. all the time, actually. And it drives me crazy. Mm. And it, it's hard for me to, to compartmentalize that, but it's it's true. I, I do think that judges are listening for something different than the, than the dancers are. Yeah, interesting. Now, uh, Chris, do you have any... Do you have any non-piping uh, hobbies or things that take up your time? You know, like what, what aside from, I mean, I don't want to dismiss your family. Of course, that's of paramount importance. But sort of aside from sort of like, you know, family duties, uh, work, and piping, what else takes up your time and energy? 
Mm. Or so, is there anything else? <laughs> you know, I, 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 my, my hobby used to be picking up new hobbies. Um, I, I love disc golfing. So oh, yeah. Yeah. A, a few years back before I was, you know, as serious in, in piping as I am now, I would go disc golfing all the time. The, the workplace I was at had a course. And so during lunch every day we would go out and play disc golfing. I loved it. I love it. I still will try to get out when I can. But you ever go do that but, semi-wilderness course in Moab when you go down to the games down oh, there? I want to so badly. My wife and I did that a few years ago. It's really great. It, it'll ruin your discs, but it's fantastic. <laughs> That's true. We lost a. We we just took some cheap frisbees and lost a few. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I love that. And during the pandemic, I picked up gold panning. Really. I I love You're a gold panning now, huh? Yeah, and so. You up American Fort Canyon is an okay place for Utah. You got to understand that Utah gold is just not good. It's small. It, it ain't the it's, Black Hills, as I imagine they might say. Huh? It's not. It's flower. We call it flower gold. It's the. Huh. It's just not good, and and you're not making your money back. But I've got a vial on my desk that I'm looking at, full of the gold that I found from, uh, from American Fort Canyon. Like not even ten bucks. Like don't don't get excited. But it's shiny and it's pretty and <laughs> it's just so satisfying to go to a, a river, in the mountains and wash down the dirt and then you see something sparkly yeah and it, it it's it's like a slot machine it's nature's slot machine oh yeah okay that makes sense and but, you, but you did, walk me through this what how does this what what equipment do you take with you are you you walk in the middle of the stream like how how long are you out there i i i the only image that i have for gold panning is like tom waits in that in that movie on netflix <laughs> recently you know like like pretending to be like this this gold prospector like what 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 does this look like so uh Equipment-wise, you don't need that much, and so you need a pan. And so, gold pans are—you know—they're plastic. They're like fifteen bucks. Deep pan with some ripples, riffles on the side. You know, the just waves and waves and waves, so that you can gold. Gold sinks, right? Gold mm. is heavy. Its specific weight is heavier than anything else. So, if you get a pan full of dirt and you put a bunch of water in it and you shake it, the dirt rises to the top and the gold goes to the bottom. And then you can, you know, pan it off and the dirt goes away and the gold stays. Or anything else heavy. Mm-hmm. Quartz. Oh, I hate quartz. Because quartz is, is heavy and it's really hard to separate from the gold. Yes, no way, yeah. So what you what you do is you take a five-gallon bucket from uh, Home Depot. And then you get something called a classifier. Kind of a sifter, right? Sure, sure, yeah. And some people do, you know, kitchen sifters. But you, you they make sifters for for gold panning that fit in the five gallon bucket so you take a shovel oh you go up into the mountains up american fort canyon there's a great river there you can dig on the side of the river or where the water used to be higher and it's not which is nice it's really hard to dig in the river you can but it's exhausting right it takes a lot of energy you lose a lot of the dirt as you're getting it out of the water but that doesn't mean people don't uh, do it they just use dredges and fancy machinery to to do it but for low tech you just find somewhere where you think there's going to be gold and you you dig in there you classify the dirt so you get all of the pebbles and the rocks out of it and you're just left with dirt or really small rocks yeah and then you can right (laughs) hopefully gold and then you can do it a couple of ways you can just take a scoop of it put it in your pan and wash it off yourself or you can take a, a sluice which is like a big old long tray 
with the riffles inside of it, you know, a rubber mat. So you pour the classified dirt on it and the river will do the washing for you. So you put this tray in the river facing downstream and you pour the dirt in there and the gold will sink and get caught in the mats in the, in the sluice. And then the dirt will just wash off downstream. And when you're done, you pick up the, the sluice, you put it in a five gallon bucket, you wash off the mats and you see what you, what you got. Wow. It's just a lot of fun and it's satisfying. It's not profitable, but yeah. you know, so the, a lot like bagpipes, huh? <laughs> a lot of fun, satisfying, not profitable. That depends how much you buy, right? <laughs> yeah. Now it seems to me like some some key ingredients in your equipment here though ought to be like a really old beat up cowboy hat with a hole through it, long johns, <laughs> uh, a false nah. grizzly white beard if you don't have one yourself. And it's been a while. I don't get out much, but the <laughs> The, the equipment's really not that much. The, the, the knowledge of where to go yeah, is kind neat. of that stuff. Because if there's one thing that the Facebook group, Facebook groups will always razz you on is, you know, a new person comes on and says, hey, where do I go gold panning? And everybody says, in the mountains or, or whatever. <laughs> there are some fantastic folks in the community that will say, okay, this is where you go. This is where it's legal. Oh, but everybody's got their, their favorite spot. And they say it's prospecting for a reason. You learn more by going up there and learning to read the river and figure out where to go, then you do just uh, asking somebody, hey, where do you go and getting the pin dropped? It's, you, you do better testing different places and learning, oh, that, that, that's where gold lives. And then you go up and you look at the river and go, okay, I think it's gonna be there. And when you're right, it feels great. You go, hey, me and mother nature just had a moment. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've never done it, but I, I really love everything to do with mushrooms. And it's, it's what you're oh, describing yeah. sounds a lot like, like truffle hunting. Oh, man. I hear after the wildfires in California, yes, you can I'm go and get some. Too. Some morels. Yeah. Them. And I hear they're, that might be profitable. Yeah, it might well be. Yeah. You got to know what you're doing or else you'll uh, not, not find something good to eat. Yeah. Or you'll find something extra good to eat. <laughs> oh dear! But no, that sounds awesome. Let me know if you do that. I will. Yeah, absolutely. What, what else? Uh, what else, man? You you are surprising me. What what else you got? What else do you do or have done? I mean, so I was into tennis really hardcore yeah. for for high school. Oh, that 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 got lost along with chess. That that I I, I wish I I did more of that. But you know, the the hobbies that I can do closer to home now are the ones that really uh sure. It really makes sense, and bagpiping fits that bill yeah. now, now, nowadays. Well, and, and speaking of like bagpiping, sort of like sticking with you, that that does it does. I don't I don't want to say it's surprising, but it, it is uh, I don't know noteworthy that you got into piping just because you looked around and were like, oh, I guess this is what you'd have to do to be cool in high school. But you're you're very committed to it now. Did you do you are there any significant moments that stick out in your mind that kind of like turned this into a lifelong at least to this point uh pursuit for you or has it just kind of been that way hmm. like is it definable in any way you know hmm. looking at the the high points you know in the in the in the solo world oh the the the, the first high point that kind of got me hooked was at Pleasanton. I, I, I got to bring home a, a big old trophy from Pleasanton for a grade four. I, I still can't tell you what it was or what it was for, <laughs> but I, I, I came home with a bunch of medals and a big old trophy. And I, I, 
I displayed that in my college dorm for uh, the year until they asked for it back, which I didn't know they did, which made me super mad. Oh. <laughs> but, At least you didn't lose it in the meantime, huh? <laughs> oh, right. But that was the moment that made me go, huh, I could, I could do this. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the moments that made me say, oh, man, how could, how could I stop doing this? Those have mostly been gigs with uh, gigs with people I, I really like. Yeah. The, the the moments where we would do, like when we play for the Festival of the Trees for the Salt Lake Scots, mm-hmm. that is amazing because you're playing for a big old group of people, and I love playing for people. I love I love playing for an audience, mm-hmm. and so doing doing that for the first time you know my first real gig with the scots was at the festival of trees and they let me do the amazing grace solo there and i mean maybe it's my ego i don't know but (laughs) it felt really 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 good and then there are the times that you 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 play for a funeral and you play you know tune you've played a thousand times Mm. you know you play amazing grace and we all laugh and call it amazing disgrace or we all all laugh waiting for somebody to screech on it you know looking for anything to spice it up yeah play harmonies when you really shouldn't or don't need to just because we hate how boring it's gotten your first tune and then you play it at a funeral and then people are bursting into tears and they're treating you like you gave them a kidney yeah and you're still getting paid right it's it's really something different you know when i started hearing some of the 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 people just be grateful for bagpipes at a funeral oh i mean we we in the utah scottish association we we lost ian scott in the, mm-hmm. the past couple of past year or so during the pandemic and we you know I, I got to play that that funeral and you know combining the the performing and then people you like and you and you care about all, all of that together, it, it just, it touches all the right chords for me. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in, and I, I've gotten really close with the Utah Scottish Association. I love those guys. They're awesome. They work their tails off to, to bring the Salt Lake games for us. And they're not making money hand over fist. They're plowing it all back into it. And to, to get to go do one of their gigs with and be with friends and then play and show off and have an audience all of it together is is great and 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 then you you play a a pibrook by yourself and you go into that piping zen state and you you finish and you realize that your brain is really happy that you got that deep focus moment Mm -hmm. your your brain says hey i i i focus on something really hard for 15 minutes i got to focus and it feels great and you know the 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 tradition, the the stories of the Peebles, the stories of the tunes. Those are really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not as focused on that, and maybe I'm a heathen, really. I, if you're not, I, a, yeah. If you're not preaching the gospel of the of the McCrimmons, then you're you're. A... I'm not, and I feel like a heathen. Really, I yeah. ought to be better. Like I can tell you, you know, the story behind the the desperate battle and all of that uh-huh. stuff, but that's not where the jollies come from. The, the jollies come from hearing something beautiful and making it and yeah. and that really great feeling when you realize hey I'm I'm 
I'm playing an instrument that's hard. Bagpipes are evil. They're hard to play. <laughs> I mean, what other instrument is like a, a like it's like a horse, right? Yeah. Are you are you hanging on to the horse and right. still getting there, or are you are you partnering with the horse? Are you are you one with the horse? That is, that is such a good metaphor for it. Like, how often do you feel like you're just barely hanging on and just it's dragging you? <laughs> I mean, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. It doesn't matter what kind of tune the. If it's the getting the tuning right, is it getting the rhythms right? I feel that way all the time. Like, poof, I made it. Yeah. But th- those moments when you feel like you're you're partnering with your instrument, that that's something something special. Yeah, I mean, sure. don't don't make it cheesy, but it is something special. And knowing how long it took you to get there, I I think that's really special. I played the piano, uh, and yeah, there are moments where you're like, oh, me and the piano are are, are bonding, but Usually, you hit the key and it sounds the same most of yeah, the time. Yeah. The, the, the bagpipes, when you finally get that lock-in sound, you lock in and you realize that it's staying locked in as you're playing. Mm-hmm. You're holding it and it's locked in. And your ear just says, we did it. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have mused upon that point before, how like maybe precisely because like good tone and tuning are like elusive in bagpiping, that... It, it's that that is what makes it so especially satisfying when it comes together what's special that same thing that makes us desperate to buy anything that will help that tone Mm -hmm. you know we buy the manometers we buy the pressure gauges we buy the we buy the tone protectors we buy the the new read the new chanter the new everything yeah but when it clicks it's it just validates all those hours Mm -hmm. you feel like oh i did it it's there now it can always be better yeah it can always be better but when when you sum it it's it's something special yeah no no technology maybe your tuner right well we won't talk about that <laughs> tuners versus non-tuners right i mean use what you got but yeah it, it's just even with a tuner getting there just it's something that i don't think i've ever seen replicated anywhere else i think violinists could relate a lot mm. I think they that, could relate. That makes so much sense in that, like, I don't play violin, but I can definitely see how, like, the violin also is, like, unwieldy, it would seem. You yeah. Know? Like, it's difficult to get the, but but be, precisely because it's so, there are no frets, you know, it's so right. so temperamental and stuff. That's what makes it, like, magic when someone plays it well. It's, it's, oh, yeah. It emerges from this murkiness, you know? And that also gives you a little bit of freedom. Now, for pipes... I mean, there's no freedom in not tuning well, but <laughs> it, it, there there is a lot of freedom for you as the piper to figure out what works for you. Yeah, it's. I, I just wish we all stayed in tune a little bit longer. <laughs> Don't you we know? all though, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the, those moments where you're like, "Oh, I'm in tune." How long does it last? Yeah, and yep, yep. It, it it's it's special and it's cool and it's unique to us. Hard to explain. Yeah. Hard hard to really explain to those that don't get it right right you, you just you know tell an average person on the street well we've got four reeds and then we've got to tune each note to, to make sure it's right and then are blowing and it's like that's why it can sound bad and everyone goes oh okay cool and you go but look there are 25 pipers over there at sfu and they all sound like one piper isn't that amazing right. that's 100 reeds yeah you go, huh huh <laughs> oh oh okay yeah yeah, it's so true. My my wife often talks to me about how like 
you know, like over the years, we've known each other since since before high school. And so like she's known me since I started playing pipe since I was a kid. So like over the years of being exposed to it, she's like started to sort of like start to tap in into sort of like some of the nuances of like being able to recognize like, oh, that was really good, wasn't it? Or, oh, that wasn't that great, was it? But how like <laughs> for such a long time, it's like, it's just all the same, you know? And it's like, it's one of the, oh, it's yeah. one of these things where like, if you don't do it, you don't really get it. You know, you don't really appreciate good versus bad or like, you know, variations in quality and stuff like that. You know, my, my wife joined the Scots as a, as a tenor drummer because she got tired of being left behind and, and that, that that was a that was a sign just like oh my gosh i i did good but, yeah now you know, you know she's committed right she's willing to i mean all the way <laughs> no funny story her her family history claims that they're so oh often you know immigrants scottish immigrants from the the, the lds church well ben loman peak you know the the peak that ben loman high school is named for right yeah her family history claims that that's you know, their, their family named it. They go back oh, really? and they look at it. And so I can kind of say that it's my wife's fault that I play the bagpipes <laughs> because way back in the day, somebody said, yeah, we're going to name that mountain Ben Lomond. Right. And it all and, snowballs together into making the Ben Lomond high school pipe band and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean who knows, but who knows? it's yeah. a cool thought. That's fun. I've heard that I've heard that I think it's the Ben Loman peak that I've heard uh, might have been inspiration for the Paramount Pictures uh, mountain logo. You heard that? No, but I can see it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, eh, I don't remember uh, a producer or an owner or something had like lived in Ogden and like doodled it. And it was based off of that peak or maybe it was another peak. I don't know. But I, th I think that it was Ben Loman peak. And as of course, soon as we're done, I'm looking that up. Yeah, look it up because there's a there's a history of like the Paramount logo has changed over time so maybe it doesn't quite as well match the sort of more fantastical mountain you see today but in the past it seems to get closer and closer to looking a lot like ben loman peak huh. now now chris i've 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 kept you for a while i did i've got a couple more questions i could ask you but if you're feeling you know if you've got to go somewhere i can let you go how, how do you feel about it right now bring it on I'm, okay great. I'm, I'm enjoying this 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 is fun well one of the things that i really wanted to ask you about right from the right from the beginning when you said you would be willing to do the interview is recording precisely which all right um because even outside of the covid stuff i had this impression that you were a recorder and that's maybe again because of seeing you play Peabrook at the glen wild you got out a mic and a laptop and were recording yourself and i think you were the only competitor that entire day who did that so and i recorded everyone that day you did that's right you were recording everything and so i maybe it's mistaken but i get this impression that you record a lot and so i want to know why when did that get started what's the interest what's the value which we've kind of talked about a little bit i also want to know do you catalog everything do you have like a really you know like a really well organized way of cataloging your own playing others playing the playing for your group and stuff and i also want to know do you have any tips and tricks for pipers who want to record themselves especially in a time where we're doing that a lot more than ever all right so just Ooh. take all of that and run with it talk to me about recording right. bagpipes and drums if, one... you, if you have any experience with that as well give me one second i'm gonna mute and blow my nose <laughs> I hear you, man. No worries. I, I was doing gardening work before we started talking and I've had like this sort of like low grade hay fever thing going on through the whole interview. So I've actually muted and blown my nose a few times already. That smoke, man. Oh, the smoke. Yeah, the smoke has been terrible. Oh, yeah. All right. So recording. I started recording. Oh, when did I really start doing that? I, so I like music. I started playing the piano when I was eight. I, I was accepted to the University of Utah as a piano performance major. Oh, I had no idea. The the, 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 the orientation day, I, I looked around and saw computers and thought, 
I bet you that makes more money. And just in like 30 seconds, I sold out my entire uh, life's dream and, and went and earned money instead. Oh, classic. I don't regret it. But I mean, my, my, my division in music was split between piano and bagpipes ever, you know, from the moment I, I got to high school. Yeah. So it, it was, you, you can't serve two masters, man. <laughs> but as far as recording goes, so my setup at home, let, let's start with that. Yeah. I've got a Yeti Blue microphone, and that's it. I've got, and I record in a, a tiny room, um, uh, you know, a bedroom. It's got carpet, it's got a bed in there, but nothing else, really. And that's never been a problem contest-wise. Like, that's never been any kind of a problem. If anything, it might be a problem because the Yeti microphone records too well mm. and uh, the judges can hear more. You know, you, it, I don't know. Uh, if, if they can hear when you're not breathing perfectly compared to somebody with a lesser quality recording, right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's uh, paranoia. But with the Yeti microphone, it, I've got the you know, floofy cover that goes on it. I turn up the gain. And if I'm not really happy, I'll put a blanket on top of it. Oh. Now, a lot of the time, an iPhone will fit the bill for just plain old recordings. And you toss it on a bed with a blanket on top. It's not bad. It really, it isn't bad. Yeah. Now, it's a little muffled. It's not that piercing, clear gorgeousness, but mm-hmm. it will do. And, I mean, are you recording for a... CD? Probably not. But if you're recording to hear yourself and to get better, that'll, that'll do. That'll, when you, when you are recording with your Yeti, though, are you are you putting it at chanter level and pointing right at it? Or are you putting it like behind you? Or are you turning to the side? Well, how do you orient yourself to the mic? Hold on. I'm, I'm looking at the back of the Yeti. So I've got the Yeti set up for the uh, surround sound style. So it's expecting the sound from the front. Oh. So I do point it. I point it at myself. I still put the blanket on it. Mm-hmm. I put it on a dresser, so it's about at eye level, oh, you know, head level. Okay. And I'll step maybe five or six feet away from it, you know, as far away as I can. Mm-hmm. I do. I do know that you don't want to put it in the corner of a room if you can. So just getting away from the corner so that you're not uh, getting the echoes off of the wall, mm-hmm. or at least putting the blanket behind it so you're not getting the echoes coming back into it. And, Generally, that's been enough. Now, I do catalog for myself. You know, I'll, I'll catalog every contest that I compete in so that I can kind of... You want to feel good day. You listen to something from, you know, two years ago, and then you listen to something now, and you mm. go, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's better. Mm-hmm. Or, and then I'll, I'll put it onto my phone so I can listen to myself practice, you know, when I'm not there, because... You know, hey, practice time is precious. Yeah. You don't want to spend the time listening, but you've got to listen too. Yes. So yeah. that's that's one of those times that recording on your iPhone works really well, where you don't have to transfer it, you don't have to do anything. You just record it on the iPhone, and off you go. You've got it. Yeah. But I, I, I one of my a long term goals would be to uh, do a a set of recordings for dance piping, mm. and the the recordings that are out there are phenomenal there is no need for more of them but if i ever got to that point where i was happy enough to present those and satisfied enough to present those I, i'd be proud of that 
have there's not been, a lot of money in it. Have you been thinking to do a, a set of recordings exclusively, like here are competition recordings for dancers to use, or have you ever thought maybe about like, ooh, some kind of instructional packet for pipers to learn how to do dance uh, piping? Um, I haven't thought about that just because the demand's pretty low, but the information's out there out from the information out there to uh, to learn how to do it is pretty low too. You need to find a studio. You really need to find some dancers to really play with them and, and yeah. figure it out. And by the way, any dance studio will let you go and practice with them. Mm. Any of them. Right? Uh, Mackenzie's studio here in Bountiful, they'll let me go and play with them whenever. So before a contest, I'll go and practice with them and make sure that we're on the up and up. And they're always really gracious and happy to, to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the dance piping would be cool. You know, I don't. I always thought it would be cool to set up a YouTube, a channel for dance. You know, for dance piping, so that dancers have an option to. You know, maybe a YouTube live, so they can request what they want to mm. to practice and, and doing that. Again, the demand is low. You know, yeah. it, they're they You're not going to get to the 2.2 million subscribers. It, it would be a labor of love, right? Mm. It it would be cool. I. I've set up a Twitch account for, for bagpiping for fun because Twitch does musicians and there are no bagpipers there. Mm. But even even that, it, our instrument is not going to be one of those viral things. And we all kind of need to accept that. Even the best there are, like Lincoln Hilton, he's one of the more popular er, pipers that do new, interesting things. Yeah, You look on Spotify, he's still not breaking 50,000 on some of the coolest stuff that he's done. Yeah. So we, we kind of need to accept accept that. It would be really cool if we could find a way to go mainstream. We need another Braveheart moment. We need, right? Yeah, we need another. Uh, braveheart. A, a Braveheart moment. Somebody's going to do something meme. I mean, the bad piper, you know, the, the guy with right, the flames right, and the leather yeah. kilt. Yeah. He's a pretty good piper. Yeah. You know, you, you watch him and you go, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, you, you know what you're doing. This yeah. is all, this is fine. Or you've got the, the, the unipiper where you just kind of, I mean, we, we, we are nice to people in our community. We are not mean people. But when you've got the unicycle, the Darth Vader helmet, the flames and the and the whatnot, I mean, it's hard to keep it. Sometimes and John we Williams, get it mean. <laughs> so, so, John Williams was not made for bagpipers, okay? <laughs> like, Star Wars was not yeah. made for bagpipes. But, it, you know, if you think about the most famous bagpiping things you can think of, those are the ones, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, like I'm with you. Like I, I can absolutely understand like the frustration that a lot of pipers feel where it's like, this is our ambassador. That's not what we want. You know, like, why can't Lincoln Hilton be our ambassador to the world, you know, or, or, or you I mean, know, Jack Lee, yeah, Jack, so any, anybody so else artists to choose from. Um, Jack Lee could be famous. We couldn't make him famous. Yeah. We oh, could make him viral. We get Stuart Little on a unicycle. Oh, no, 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 no. But I, at the same time, I do think to myself, like, well, if the Unipiper had never made these videos, what would be different? Maybe even fewer people would be interested in bagpipes than are now. Because, you know, you can't deny that some people did start taking lessons because they saw, like, the Sandpiper or the Unipiper or the Badpiper. Like, you find me one of them. Find me <laughs> one of them, okay? Because I, I haven't met one yet, but... Yeah, okay, it, it, It's true. It, I mean... It it's something, right? Yeah. It, it's something. We need like a sea shanty moment. We need yeah, a Wellerman yeah, moment. That's, we need the Wellerman, yeah. It, it, we we need something, but 
could none of us ever next, did next big surge thing be oh let's do it let's do it we got to find out how but well, none of Rab, us ever have interviewed that what is that gal's name who's on tiktok tiktok she's a the piper I, uh, I just listened to his interview a couple weeks ago with her anyway go on sorry chris I been no it's all good yeah a, a tiktok with techno pipes you know i i dabble in composing i've always wanted to see if you could do techno techno p-rock which is yeah. Oh, yeah. an abomination okay it's a <laughs> speaking of being a heathen <laughs> it's an abomination to think about but if you think about some of the the, the trance genres where it's all about losing yourself in, in the music it's oh yeah that's that's what Peabrook's all about, but Peabrook's not the... about. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, Peabrook's not about a steady beat, right? right it's not right. about. It's not about keeping flat on with the metronome. Right. He's not on the ground. Right. It wouldn't and, be the and, four on the floor club music kind of kind of thing. No. But maybe no. like a meditation track. But the 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 idea has always intrigued me. Yeah. yeah or a fugue in for 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 bagpipes. Oh, sure. you know, to, yeah. But our range is is low. Like really, it's. Yeah, we are niche, right? We're, yeah, we're, yeah. I, I would love to see the, the bagpiping world just explode and go viral and go, go big. We're definitely not, we're not fading. And we're, I think we're growing. Yeah. But I don't think we're, we're, we're exploding it just because bagpipes are a cruel mistress, right? They're a cruel, yeah. mean, terrible mistress to, to get going on. But, yeah. Well, you know, there there have been, you know, everything ebbs and flows, right? And there, you know, there was a folk music revolution that kind of happened in the, oh, what, second half of the 60s, at least here in the United States, where, um, you know, kind of this more niche uh, sort of genre of music that kind of pulled together multiple different, like, sort of niche instruments and genres kind of all surged in popularity. And I feel like, is it just that I'm becoming more aware of it, or is that not happening with the folk scene, especially in, in uh, Western Europe, where you see a lot more bagpipes and folk music in general is getting more attention and so part of that attention is on bagpipes and so maybe maybe we do see those sort of like ebbs and flows in, in interest maybe we could have our our wellerman moment i i hope so but are they going to be on the great island pipes right. or are they going to be right. playing with somebody else yeah. you know small pipes yeah. hey you can now you can play nice with others now yeah you don't play nice with others without something else like the scots play for the uh Kirkin of the Tartan every year, and it takes an orchestra, it takes an organ, and a choir to to, to hang with the the volume that the pipes out. But we don't. Yeah. Play well, and well then with and then you've got all the tuning challenges, of course, too. Oh, <laughs> that that's like my most cringeworthy recording I ever did. Uh, a uh, a organ major at the University of Utah asked me to play at her senior recital mm. with bagpipes and organ together. A wonderful combination and there's an ancient book written for bagpipes and organ mm -hmm. to to go together both ancient instruments and a lot of duets that that go together but the tuning was so difficult on the the organ at at the u and i i, I listened to that recording and go that's a couple cents off mm -hmm. but the concept was so good it, it's just that's a fun combo if you can get the tuning right yeah yeah, I've done a few organ bagpipe pieces that have it's always been so fun. I, I always oh. I always use a B flat channer. Did you use a B flat channer when you did it or did you just kinda squeeze it? I, I just pulled the reed out yeah. a lot. And we all know what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, but but we did it and we thought it was cool. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Well I appreciate I, I appreciate that um some of my sort of trepidation about it was has been removed by talking with uh, Timothy Cummings. He has talked a little bit about just kind of like the 
like an embrace of the sort of wild energy that's going to come from smashing the you know the the pipe organ and the bagpipes together like like a release of any expectation for like absolute like sort of polished perfection and rather an embrace of the madness to some degree you know can kind of it can be enjoyable in that way well embrace the glory of it i mean the organ the organ by itself is just flat out glorious the the choir glorious throwing the pipes together and it's just it's a lot of noise man it's a lot of sound it can be powerful it you know that that's the word it's it's powerful to 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 do that and then throw in a, a song that means something you almost feel like the the ceiling will open up and you'll You'll get called up and raptured right, right then and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if your oh, tuning was, if your tuning was a little better, maybe, right? <laughs> yeah, you know that 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 old bagpiping joke, right? The welcome to heaven. Here, here's your bagpipe. Here's your tuner. Welcome <laughs> to hell. Here's the bagpipe. Yeah. <laughs> Very good one. Uh, Let's see. What have we missed on the recording? Have we missed anything that we should be talking about? Oh, the. I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. You oh, know, I think someday. that's really, that's some very huh? useful information right there. That's good. I, I I don't think there's really much else I'm I'm doing with it. Uh, the the cataloging for myself is mostly there. Yeah. I'd love to to put together a, a bagpipe track that you could get into GarageBand or something mm-hmm. and really really do those things that you couldn't do with a bagpipe. If you could get a really good bass tone, like good tone, I mean, the technology's there to give you a full scale, right? Right, yeah. And unlock all of those things that people say, free bird or whatever. And you could do it. And you could do it, which maybe it feels like cheating if you're not really playing it. But if the sound's there, I mean, can, can you get over it? If you're listening to the bagpipe do things that it shouldn't. Yeah. Can, can you get over that knowing what it should be? Yeah. Yeah, that is part of the challenge of being in a niche world within a niche world, right? If we get hyper-focused on the competition scene, for example, you know, then we can become, what would you call it, like sort of like uppity purists. and Snobs. Uh, yeah, snobs, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean the, the one tune that makes me think of that is uh, Pumpkin's Fancy. Mm, yeah. Because that is your quintessential nobody likes how that dare tune. you <laughs> right <laughs> you what what do you mean you're you're a grade four playing that hornpipe yeah. you 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 uh you're you, you're new to this you think you're hot stuff yeah and then all of the people who could play it won't play it because they don't want to sound like all of the 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 new people that heard it and thought it was great yeah but but in, then you in their ignorance on... liked it how how could they <laughs> oh i or in their ignorance thought they could play it <laughs> that too yeah <laughs> and, and and then you you go online and you look up pumpkin's fantasy and one of the first videos you see is jack freaking lee playing it at yeah. a concert yeah, and you that. go it's like no you you can be a you just can be a the, top shelf you just got the stamp of legitimacy right jack lee says it's okay so yep. just be quiet and enjoy the slides okay yeah <laughs> I, I play that one a lot because that is my wife's favorite bagpipe tune. It's everybody's favorite, isn't it? <laughs> and, and and it's everybody's favorite. We, I mean, the slide is one of the few fancy, unique, yeah, cool goofy things. things that we can do, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, it, it, it's cool, but maybe there is a little bit less, you know, decorum that mm. we we need. We need to be a little less less serious and just be grateful that people are excited yeah. about the pipes. 
Yeah, take a little starch out of the old collar and just have just, fun. Just a little. That doesn't mean yeah. we accept, you know, bad playing. Yeah. But we should also accept people enjoying it. I mean, you you you, you know the Payson and the Ben Loman thing. Mm-hmm. We played stuff we shouldn't play all the time there. Yeah, And hey, we didn't know better. I ain't judging, but I do remember, I don't know if you, you yeah, you might have been there. Tell me if you remember playing uh, We Will Rock You as you marched out of the circle. All the time. Because I remember that and just, you know, maybe as a bit of a purist, I don't know. I think I've had a change of heart because I'm definitely way into more like less regimental kind of playing right now. But at, at the time I was like, like, really, I don't think we should be doing that in public, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did it at, 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 at games. We, we, we did it. But it was we, fun, we, right? It wasn't we it let that freak flag fr- fly. Yeah. Like we, we and in for we penny, had in fun. For pound, right? Just gonna go for it. We had fun. Now, one of the other funny things I heard at Pleasanton in mass bands, I heard a band play "Jesus Christ Superstar" oh, really? on their on their way in. That's awesome. And yeah, maybe we will rock you. I mean, for the record, it works, right? It's not that far off. Yeah, there are some songs that just you can't. The notes that you have kind of make it so it doesn't really work and people enjoyed it and had fun and maybe maybe that's it are we playing pipes for ourselves as a community yeah are you playing for your audience yeah and your audience is nowhere near as highbrow as we are most of the time yeah well i mean you you can think of like how many other like sort of like genres of art right where would we would it be seem at all acceptable for the artist to say here's what you should want and then they do it and the the crowd listening right goes i don't actually like that i'd rather i but i like this other thing and then the artist says you're wrong for liking this other thing (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's a silly thing to be like you're wrong for liking this stuff and maybe that's why we're still niche right yep maybe that's self-fulfilling prophecy here maybe we are the hipster instruments maybe we are uh, maybe we're just bringing that on on ourselves now I, I, I think we know what we like and we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there are only so many Peabrook aficionados who will sit there and listen to all 15 minutes of your of your Peabrook and go, oh, that was amazing. Well done, young 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 man. Yeah. Because in, in my head, all Peabrook aficionados are old men anyways. Which <laughs> well, is, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> I mean, right? So, it, But then you hear the Cape Breton pipers, right? Right, yeah. The Cape Breton pipers who are playing so that people can get up and and dance you know, and be into it get get down and have fun and yeah. you go that's why it survived mm. that that that's why it's it's really uh, still there you go to a pub and you can still hear some of that fun stuff the folk music revolution or renaissance or comeback it's fun yeah those tunes are fun and they talked about things that people cared about yeah. drink ladies and boats i mean yeah that, <laughs> that is a trifecta isn't it those <laughs> are timeless of all these songs. timeless <laughs> subjects timeless and so we don't have that in in the regimental world yeah but we can still make people dance yeah you know still... I, I really like listening to uh jeremy kingsbury uh on the we two twog uh bagpiping and history bag uh podcast talk about he'll, he, he does a lot of like dance tunes in this like sort of 17th 18th century repertoire of, of pipers music and a lot of this is like small pipes you know border pipes illum pipes oh, um, so much fun yeah and he talks a lot about how like well i shouldn't say a lot but he has mentioned before how like we if we're coming from a, ba- a highland bagpipe competition b- 
backdrop, right? We like assume that that is the tradition and that any kind of kitchen piping or alternative piping is breaking away from tradition and it's like problematic somehow. But <laughs> when, when, the, when the competition regimented Highland bagpipe thing became a thing, there were a lot of people a lot of pipers who hated it. It's like, that's not how music is supposed to be done, right? Because before that, you know, for centuries, it was dance music and, and parlor music and stuff like that, right? And it's like, neither is bad, you know, but to assume that there's only one way to make art is a bit silly, you know? And like, we maybe need to expand our view a little bit and recognize that like, this is a mode of expression, you know, it's very organic and human and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be fit into these tiny little boxes, though it can be fun when it is, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. But. Well. I mean, have you ever heard that three pillars of piping thing? Oh, no. Tell me me about it. So I I wish I could tell you who told me about it, but... Oh, no, Matt Turnbull. Matt Turnbull, he's a dance piper. Mm. And he he used to... You know, when we played at one of the uh, championships that they did in in Utah, the USIR, they let me tag along and do a little bit there. But he, he said, you know, most pipers are missing two of the three pillars of bagpiping. And there is regimental music. That is one of the pillars. But dance piping, dance is one of the pillars that everybody ignores. And then Pibaruk, you know, the, the real heavy music, that, that's the other one. And I feel like a lot of pipers are, are missing that. And listening to Matt say that made me think, oh, wow, I need more Pibaruk. But that, it, it, it really kind of makes sense. It's... I mean, March, Strass Bay, real hornpipe, real chick. That, that's it. That's what most people in a band setting will get. Yeah. Maybe you'll get fancy with a, a ground of a peabrook here and there. Maybe dancers will come in for you once in a while and, and everyone will scramble to play a, a, a Strath for them. But mm-hmm. there, there's more. I mean, look at Fred Morrison. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. There's a guy who's having a good time. Yeah. And if we're not going to go viral, we should at least have a good time like he is. Mm-hmm. Well, we will go viral. We'll figure it out. This podcast will do it, right? That's right. This will do it. I, I think that that's...